but never ever gets boring. Rounding up the humorous stuff in the news about Mormons. Can't wait to see which one will they choose. This week in Mormons again. Hey, 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 everyone is in the house. This week in Mormons is here once more to bring you everything related to, as my co-host would solely refer to them, Latter-day Saints, because he is more righteous than I. Hello, Kurt. Hey Jeff, what's up, dude? Thanks for having me back on. You know, my, you know the part of a podcast I I hate the most is the start. I always say something stupid, or I Yours don't. Know, I, I need like a runway. I need a runway. I've done like over three hundred and twenty or so podcast episodes yeah. on my own podcast, and I still need a runway. So I, I now I'm good. Well, now do you, do, do you define your? Um, I mean. Most of your shows on Leading Saints start with a bit of a plug for something coming up with your pretty piano music, and then it fades down, and then you right. say, hey, it's right. me, Kurt, that's, the Leading Saints podcast, da, 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 and then you just do an intro. That's right. That's my advertisement, yeah. Jeff, that uh, is pre-recorded, and we just use it over and over. I know. Then when I come on, I I fumble. I guess it's mainly when I'm sitting in front of the person I'm I'm interviewing, where I say, like, hey, here we are, uh... I like how existing in this place. I like so. how unedited they are. You'll sit down and be like, "So I'm here with uh, Matthew, Matt, Matthew. What do you want to go by anyway? What, what, it's yeah. it, it's like you've just walked <laughs> into their house and hit record and say, "Hey, That's, so I try and keep it real. What I do is I ring the doorbell and I hit record and then we go. How much time so. do you actually spend with your subjects when you, especially when you do, if they, you usually do like house visits. Sometimes you do things online, but um, yeah. How much yeah. time do you spend? It's probably prepping. half and half. So I um, I usually schedule for an hour interview. I'll schedule ninety minutes, right? Yeah. So we have sometimes we'll run into some tech issues, or especially if we do it remotely, mm-hmm. that uh, there's always something that comes up, right? And so I know that pain. Yes, to, yes, yes, yes. You do. So, uh, but yeah, nothing. I and I hate editing, right? Um, and I try and be concise, and uh, I feel like my interviewing skills have improved over time to where there's not much I would edit out anyways. And so, uh, you know, there's maybe one or two edits every episode that I snip out. But you do not, Jeff. I, I notice that you just you just roll with it, regardless That's if not the true. person is like... That's not true. <laughs> I mean, you haven't edited really since Al's been your co-host, where that was a weekly weekly occurrence well i mean sometimes i'd have to edit i i hold on let's back up so what are you trying to say like when i have other people on or guests you're saying it's evident that i edit nothing oh no no i'm just saying like you keep it real like well someone will like you know fumble or whatever and and you'll roll with it and i think it's fine it doesn't take away or make you sound any less professional. i I mean there's well, well it could be less professional there is a huge case to be made for editing because if you have superfluous material that's not good for an audience, not engaging, or it, which happens all the time in interviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut it out. So you are correct. I don't do a ton of editing for Twim, mostly because I don't have the time to paint, to go through it and do it. Right. But uh, especially with interviews and things like that, I'm usually taking notes while we're recording. And if there's something that gotcha. comes up that I think is iffy, I put a little time marker on down to remind myself to go look for something. Um, so I mean, some, some stuff gets edited. I mean, nice. I'm not one of the painstaking people who edits out people's ums and stuff like that. I figure. Oh yeah, if you're, I think that's ridiculous. If you're enough of a fool to say um, you deserve to be exploited right. and shown and made fun yes. of. Yeah. So I, uh, it was coming to you before you hit record that your your episode about sex. You did you did well, dude. Isn't sex you, you, isn't sex great? Who doesn't love it? <laughs> right. I mean, it is. 
It is the thing that keeps this world going round, isn't it? All uh, the kids today. I love it. All right. Were you nervous to do that episode at all? Or, I mean, did it make me nervous? I mean, just because of the subject matter? Oh. Yeah. I mean, were you like wa- watching what you were saying or how you were saying things mm. as you went? Or, I mean, I wouldn't say it would be as as completely frank of a conversation as one might have with one's spouse, I would assume can be sometimes sure. a lot more direct. Uh, but I didn't feel like anything was really out of bounds during that one. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, there, no. there might have been there might have been some other curiosities that were in my mind, but I would tell myself not. I, I I would censor myself and not ask it, not because I thought it was too graphic, but maybe just unnecessary. Like I just said, this this isn't going to tell us another story that matters for what we're talking about, so I don't need to get into it. Um, so not really. I thought it was fine. I don't know. There's nothing to be nervous about. I mean, sex is a natural part of who we are and we're supposed to embrace it in the proper situation and that's fine. And it's to your own detriment if you choose not to do that when you are given rain to rain to do so. Not- that's right. Rain. Any other guests on deck that you have coming up? There's a couple. I don't, I, don't, segments? I, don't, I don't want to name names, but we've got a couple of things in the works. Oh, give us a teaser, a, a little bit of a, I, a hint. I can't because nothing is locked down, and I would hate to give a tease and then have it fall through, and then everyone would say, what happened to that guest? We all know that you have your local area presidency locked I will, up. I, I will say this. I am hoping in, not sure how long it'll be. It might actually be not until maybe later at the end of summer, depending on how timing sorts out. I'm hoping to do a podcast uh, cir- circling around certain actors during a very, t- I-, I will call it a tumultuous and interesting time in church history, pr- namely the 1960s. And I want to speak to some academics about some of that. So if you want to get all wonky and pretentious, folks, keep it tuned to this channel because it's going to get real. It's going to get lit. So like... Like in the context of like church history in the 60s? Yeah, church history, politics, correlation, a lot of that stuff. Essentially, if you've ever read this, is I'm not interviewing um, Price, the author of, you know, David O'Bouquet and the Rise of Modern Mormonism. Prince. 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 Sorry, sorry. I always said Price. Gregory. Gregory Prince. Prince. I'm not, I should interview Gregory Prince, even though that book is. I have interviewed him. Oh, I've heard. I've interviewed everyone. So. That's right. And he's just down the street from you, sort of. I think he lives in Maryland, actually. Right. In, In Utah terms, that's just down the street. Sure. So right. <laughs> anyway, I'm hoping to, there's there's been some other other pieces of late, so I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about some of of that era, especially President Benson, who I think is a very oh, interesting character. Is that book we talked about during that time? There is that book, right? If um, teaser, if you haven't seen this book, there's a book called uh, <laughs> called Thunder from the Right. <laughs> Did you read it? I've been reading it. Is it like? Is it? A good read, like uh, it, books? it depends. Like, I think no. I think it's a good book. It's a series of essays, so some of it can be repetitive oh, okay. because it's not it's not uh, designed to be like a big narrative, like something like David O. McKay and the Rise of Modern Mormonism. Uh, so you get a little bit of re- a repetition in some of the essays on some facts and just things or quotes even that might have been pulled from diaries and stuff. But half the book sort of deals with Ezra Taft Benson, the politician, more or less, and the other half deals with Ezra Taft Benson, the spiritual leader. Um, and it's interesting. Interesting book. Yeah. You know, did you love the the uh, David O. McKay book as much as as much as I did? Like I, I absolutely love that book. I thought that book is I I've said it here before. I mean, I think that book is a must read for any oh, yeah. Latter day Saint. I believe it's one of the most important books you can read for your own yeah. well being as a as a Latter day Saint. And it's and it's so 
thick and long and but every like I just loved the fact that there was so much well I mean to, bless to take in President McKay for having a good journal and bless his secretary for having an right? incredible journal and we would not have it without any of that and those those materials have been huge for scholars for years who try to piece together that period of church history, which I'm really starting to fall in love with, I think is perhaps the, other than like immediate restoration era type stuff, perhaps the most interesting part of church history. I'd say definitely the most interesting part of 20th century church history when the church, basically most of the McKay era, but especially the 60s when the church is facing down so much cultural shift and anti-communist fervor and all this stuff. And right. it's a really interesting period in church history. Yeah. And it's- uh, You know, I would love it, Jeff. Here's just an idea. I'll throw it out at you. I, and this is a selfish idea because uh, I don't know if it would make for a good podcast, but I would love to uh, love to be a part of it. But if you took that and sort of did like, we we read one chapter, each chapter, and, and do an episode all around like- understanding and and creating um some dialogue around each chapter it would be fascinating you want it so for example remember these are essays though not chapters so no no no. i'm saying in the david o mckay book oh the david because i was like if it's the benson book then you'd be doing no, 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 you'd no, be no, doing no. a chapter on benson's ill-fated presidential campaign <laughs> so <No>. <laughs> which is really no, funny because just... he was going to run with strom thurmond everyone Pre- Fanatical hard rider Ezra Taft Benson with noted racist Strom Thurmond going for the Oval Office. So, uh, but as far as the McKay book, that would actually be a fascinating podcast in general. Just, uh, yeah, just a whole podcast devoted to that. Each chapter, you can find like certain like quotes or like experiences where you're just like, what? Like, I remember in that book when I read about the uh, temple boat. You know, they, they yeah, consider yeah. buying oh, yes. a cruise liner. Oh, yes. amazing. And I was just like, like, this was a thing. Like, this conversation actually happened. Yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. The Temple Boat was a great idea, and it makes me sad that it will never come to fruition at this point because we're being awesome and building tons of temples around the world, but we will we're, never- We're doing it the right way. <laughs> have the, the boat would have been the right way, except for people who lived inland, but- Especially, in except when we start when we start colonizing Mars, Jeff, we can have a temple. Here's the thing: if the temple boat <laughs> could 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 be both a rivering vessel and a seagoing, ocean faring right. vessel, that would be something. Because then you could go like imagine if it would just sail up the Amazon, or sail up the Congo, or sail up the Saint Lawrence River. Here's my prediction in regards to temples, Jeff: is that we will build um, one. And and you can all come back to this. I don't know if I've mentioned this on your podcast before, but the someday virtual reality will become so advanced that we will begin to have parts of our local chap- chapels that are, uh, in, in, in a sense, uh, the temple, where you will enter in there, and through the methods of virtual reality, you will be able to participate in ordinances. Now, most people are saying that is crazy because these are these are sacred acts that must be done in the flesh and in person. But uh, we've had changes in this church where people would have said they're crazy, and they still happened, right? So that is my prediction. Take it or leave it, Jeff. Okay, but I'm curious about the mechanics of this. So when you say virtual reality temple, do you actually mean that there's one a room inside a chapel that is like set apart for, you know, blessed and and dedicated for temple work and it's restricted accordingly. And then what people, you'd still wear your temple clothes and then put on like an Oculus Rift kind of thing. And then just- No, so you would go there, right? In whatever, maybe you'd, 
you would want to go in a shirt and tie or a dress or whatever you but feel you like, like is wearing goggles and wear. doing VR temple work. Yeah. Okay. Right, and you you would not necessarily physically touch anything and, or put anything on, but virtual reality technology will be so advanced that it will be as if you are. Okay, any- I see. What you're, you're basically going after the holodeck from Star Trek. That's what you're looking for right here. All right, Trekkie. I don't know what you're talking about. The holodeck about, but- from Star Trek The Next Generation was a room that could simulate a real environment without wearing gear. They would just be in it and they could do yes. whatever they wanted. So you want to be in a place. Exactly. Did you watch the most recent Spider-Man movie? Is this where you're getting these ideas from? You know, I no no joke. I actually saw that last night. I saw it I last no, night too. I, I you did? Yeah. Oh, well, we'll have to do a, a spoiler section here, but um, I think we're pat out of the spoiler zone with that. But nonetheless, yeah, exactly week. that yeah. that you will feel so much that you are there that uh, you won't need any additional. And even those, I mean, think of it. If you are uh, paraplegic, like you will be feel like you are there, walking and participating, like you. I all I feel like VR technology. So because you re- you want basically an entire simulated environment with no goggles or apparatus which probably can be done at some point in the future but the question is how long would it take one to really develop that technology in earnest anyway because it doesn't exist right now and after that how long would it take for it to scale appropriately so that it would be cost effective for the church to implement it throughout its buildings and then on top of that i'm just going to assume that this would involve a lot of bandwidth and we all know what the church's network is like, and so this would involve the church investing. I, I would hope, I would hope they would update, upgrade their router by the time. Well, it's not came just around. the router. I mean, I was actually I was talking to a guy in my building. Our our Wi-Fi went down, and one of the guys in my ward is sort of the uh, de facto stake tech guy, and he was he was in the little closet fixing it, messing with the which we basically have a server room in my building now, and he's just sitting there messing around with it, doing his thing. And I was talking about the speeds, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, I convinced him to bump us up by ten megabits a month." We're he's like, "We're we're the lucky ones." He's like, "We get thirty, <laughs> we get thirty down." Nice. Yeah. So, but I, well, it's expensive. Nonetheless, it's, it's expensive. I, though, even I mean. if it, it if, even if it does require goggles or equipment, like I think it can be done. And uh, I don't know, but maybe we'll just get to a point where there's. We've grown so much. The temples will be so accessible to so many members that we don't need it. But it's an interesting. It is a very interesting idea. I'm going to say by 2040. What I think will come sooner, much less related. I am hoping that at some point, and I don't think I have a problem with this, that they put your temple recommend information with your tools app, so it's on your phone. Yeah, I would guess that would come before virtual reality. Think about how effective that would be. I mean, there'd be some safeguards. You got to make sure it's legit. I would. I think you'd have to opt in for facial scanning. Like, I think that would have to be a requirement. Like, you have to agree to put your photo on your profile and have it like corroborated by a clerk or you know somebody, somebody so that whatever picture of you on your tools account is confirmed to be you, right? And then you just go and. I don't even have an issue if they scan my temple well, recommend would... and my face pops up when they scan it. I don't care about that level of security. That's fine with me. We don't need to go biometric. I don't need a fingerprint reader too or anything. That's okay. But why is a photo necessary when our current temple recommends don't? For better security. Like, Do you want more jabronis going in well, there yeah. filming the session? But, so you're not saying you're saying it would be better than our like better security than now. I guess you, I guess it I think be of it equivalent. Yeah. I guess I, I guess it's wouldn't be much different right now if all you had was the barcode. It wouldn't, and even if you were to lose your phone, it's not really any or get hacked. It's no different than like just losing your recommend and letting it go astray somewhere. But I mean, we could save so much on paper. 
Uh, it would be so much more. It would be so much easier for clerks and everyone else who's managing recommends to do it. You could get notifications that say, "By the by, your recommends running out is expiring next month." It could. It could even flash it on the app when you look at it to remind you. I mean, I don't. I'm. I guarantee no, I'm just, they thought of this already, but I'm a genius. I would love to. I would love to hear the story, and I'm sure it's happened multiple times where the guy finds a wallet or some individual finds a wallet with the temple recommend, and maybe they're familiar enough to know what it is, and they think now is my chance. And here they go. They walk into a temple, and maybe they get through. Like, how far would they get? And I don't think they'd get very far. It would depend on their level. Like of you have, if they knew to dress right, up right. and just sort of be cool. I think you could get pretty far. I agree they'd be a little lost because I think if you walked in and you were like, so uh, it's been a while. Like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, it would uh, it'd be interesting. And I'm sure that's happened several I, times. Well, I mean, and obviously- Anybody out there, we want the story. And even outside of that, there are obviously members, car, temple recommend holding people who have willingly snuck into the buildings to document the- rituals that take place therein for whatever reason, but hey, that's their own deal. Speaking of temples, you're going to be excited about this because you live in Utah and you people can't get enough of a good thing. They did announce the location of the Layton, Utah temple. And I said, did I pronunciate that, pronunciate that correctly? Layton? Layton? No, the, Layton? The, 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 T, the T is actually silent, Layton. Jeff, here in Utah. Layton. You say Layton. 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 Right. Sorry, and no, that's not true. But you can totally tell when somebody is making extra effort to say the T because we say Layton and Hunter and, you know, that, that type of well, thing. Well, folks, this is, the, I try and say this the, is the hard-hitting news of the week, everybody. They, they're not building the Layton, Utah Temple. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I expected it maybe to pop up in one, like a newer development, that kind of a thing the church often does. Uh, but instead, it's going right between the 89 and the 15 uh, in what appears to be undeveloped, like, farmland. Uh, and there's not a lot around it, which surprises me based on that part of Utah. But uh, I mean, there's there's stuff around, but it is not. It doesn't seem like a high traffic, high commerce type area, or anything like that. Which I think will change once they put it in. But yeah, the the land values generally skyrocket. The the that. cool thing though is the family. Uh, this this land was purchased by the church from a family that's had the land in their hands for like 150 years. Like way back since the pioneer era, this one family has held on to all this land. Wow. And they decided- They've said no to several strip malls and yeah. Walmarts, and and now it is it is will be consecrated. It's kind of hard when the church comes a knocking. I mean, I, I, I hate to think the church might lowball for stuff like this because they know that these good devout members are, are right. they're not going to be like, no way, man, that's below market value. Step up your game. And we'll talk. I mean, you just say, oh, well, it's a yes. I, I would hope. I mean, the church probably just looks at the land, uh, the market value and says, uh, here's what we propose it is. And they, I, I would hope they pay full price. I would try to pull what I imagine the church has to deal with in some foreign countries. I mean, we tr we own, you know, we, we pride ourselves on owning our buildings outright. You know, we don't finance them. But I do believe in a number of foreign countries uh, the church cannot own the land the temple is on. Yeah, yeah. And so they, it's leased, basically. So I think this family really should have played hardball and be like, no, you'll, we, you will be our tenant and you will pay. <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. So there it is, Jeff. What about uh, this? I, I, I know this is, this is, uh, 
secondary to the Leighton Temple site. All things are. The Leighton Temple, by the way, just it we've asked for it for a very long time. We were very excited when it was finally announced because it's numer if you run the numbers, it's a long time coming as far as how many church members are up in that stretch of the woods. Now I will say Jeff, we have not asked for it as long as we've been asking for the West Valley City Temple. No, we have not been asking for it as long My as My people no. need a temple. No. And and it better not be a magna temple. You, they announced the temple Valley in Tuella City Valley, temple. dude. You're done. You don't get one in West Valley if Tuella Valley gets one. You're done. It's over. <sighs> Go home. <sighs> Forget it. <sighs> it's coming. It's coming. Because I fasted. And you know what they're going to do? Times you know where they're actually going to build it? Taylor Valley Fair Mall. Taylorsville. Just to spite you. <laughs> right? Ah. ah, no way. No, no Taylorsville, no Magna. I want right on Constitution Boulevard, 2700 West. The Jordan the Commons, Utah Temple. <laughs> ah. Anyway, so uh, the big news, breaking news, Jeff. Okay, it's not breaking, it's old, but it's not old. that's what every news network does is breaking news. Uh, EFY, go bye-bye, as in the words of... Of Jeff here. So uh, the church has announced a new FSY for the Strength of Youth program mm. uh, that they will uh, be doing in lieu of EFY. Now, did I mean, BYU ran EFY, right? But it, I never thought of it as a church-owned thing. I mean, obviously the church owns BYU, but I thought of it more of a BYU thing. Is that accurate? I mean, it's it's accurate, but I've always thought of it as a, as a church thing. I mean, who else do you think is paying Kenneth Cope to write those dope tracks, put on the CD? <laughs> well, Come on. Well, I guess I feel like they have to separate it to some extent because it is something that you pay to play, right? That is true. There's a cost involved, but is it viewed as a for-profit type cost or just a let's cover the expenses for everybody cost? Right. Well, I'm sure they. I mean, it's, I mean, you've been paying to go to scout camp for years, right? So, yeah, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember, other than the one in, I never, I've never been to the one in in, uh, in Provo. Every now and then, they seem to do these little regional EFYs. When I was a kid, like they do something. It might even be just for a yeah. day, or it would be a minor thing where you do one overnight in a. Re it wasn't quite on the same level. I saw a lot of different stuff growing up in that way, but I guess now it's all gone. It's over. They've given up on so, the kids. That's right. So this uh, says, leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, announced Friday, this was last Friday, right, uh, that stakes yeah. in the United States and Canada will sponsor biennial, how do you say Bi that, biennial, biennial, biennial. Biennial conferences modeled after Brigham Young Universities, especially for youth programs. Beginning in 2020, some 292 stakes will begin to hold for the strength of youth conferences as part of the church's effort to unify its program for children and youth around the world. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, Jeff, but FSY has been happening in other countries like Australia for many years, right? Because in Australia, they did not have EFYs. They were called FSYs. And that is why, though, Australia has a small temple in Sydney and then nothing but Hinkley era mini temples. Australia does not have a single, let's say, let's call it what it is, a real temple. Okay. <laughs> a real. And they definitely don't have a holodeck temple like Kurt wants. That's right. Someday, Jeff, they won't need, they'll, they'll just. Someday you know, the good saints uh, of go Adelaide and Darwin will simply go to their meeting house and that will be. <laughs> 
So, uh, Jeff, as you may understand and clarify this if, if needed, but uh, every other year, the idea will be that stakes will take their youth to a certain location, and in Utah, it'll be a location like BYU campus or the Institute at Univers- or Utah State University, or uh, I'm guessing here, and, um, and they will leave them for the good majority of the week and then come pick them up at the end of the week, and it will be conducted by young single adults in the area. That's the um, big change. Will facilitate no fogies. This right, just YSAs are going to be helping out with this. That's no right. one older than and uh, so. But I would imagine. I mean, are they going to have the John, by the way, Brad Wilcox type of speakers, or it sounds like it'll just be the young single adults that will either speak or lead sessions in their own that, right? That's right? what I get from this. And the, the church's official. Let's see, they had an announcement, um, and I don't think this rules out stuff in Utah. Or, you know, if you're in Utah, it's supposed to be kind of local. But what it says is, um, uh, let's see, you know, BYU is not going to offer traditional EFY sessions in order to assist the church in facilitating the FSY thing. So they'll be provided by the church and held locally with the support of BYU, yada, yada. BYU will still do special EFY sessions at church historical sites. So that's actual, like, EFY. So, like, Nauvoo, 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 Palmyra, Independence, and Salt Lake City. There might still be special versions of EFY, but the whole Provo shindig is gone and it's going to be decentralized, which in many ways makes sense. I mean, we're trying to be more local. We're trying to be uh, more equitable as well. And I never got to do the Provo thing. And I grew up in Southern California. Later on, I saw my stake sometimes sent the youth up there and it was a great experience for them. And I'm kind of sad. We just didn't do it when I was a kid. It was just, you know, we don't have the time and the resources to drive everyone up to Provo for a week to party. It just didn't happen. Um, so one thing we were mentioning, Jeff, is that it is unclear as far as uh, stakes outside of Utah, where they will, where these will be held or yeah. it will be a true overnight experience or. It doesn't say a ton about it. Um, yeah. All it says is they're going to be called as counselors. And then most of the announcement after that sort of talks more about something else we're going to get into in a couple of minutes. But uh, yeah. Da, 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 young man. I mean, it just says it's not going to start until uh, 2020 for small conferences, then in 2021 and 2022, all stakes in the U.S. and Canada. So uh, next year, there will be 292 pre-selected stakes. I don't know how they got on that number, but there you go, 292. And I really want to see some kind of a heat map of how the, where those are, just to get an idea what they're dealing with, if it's like Intermountain West or if they decided to include the fine saints of you know Kentucky. Um yeah. So they, there was they somebody have, in. They have been asked not to plan treks during the years when they will be having these, which is every other year. None of that. That's right. But that's it. Yeah. It doesn't give a lot of detail about what this is actually going to involve. So uh, somebody in my uh, in the Leading Saints Helpers group, that's a Facebook group on uh, on Facebook, obviously. Um, they. Uh, said she's from Australia. Said here, uh, here in Australia, we have them every other year. They hold it at a university just after Christmas when all the students are in break and the youth stay in the dorms. Last year they had Brad Wilcox come. They do, they do change lives. It would definitely be one of the most influential experiences for youth. So I, this is good. Like one aspect of this that I think is so helpful is that I didn't, I never went to a EFY as a youth. Um, and I think part of that was because my parents 
maybe didn't want to fork the, out the money for that experience, though they, they probably saw the value, but maybe didn't fit in the budget where this is going to, uh, you know, equalize all that, right? So that every youth will have a EFY-like experience. Yeah, and of course they've done these elsewhere. I mean, if longtime listeners of the show might remember Al, our beloved erstwhile host, was an EFY counselor a lot growing up mm-hmm. when he was uh, in his more college years. And later on, he had a great time doing that. Uh, well, it's curious when it says like if it's a university or something like that, that seems a lot to me like youth conference. I don't know how big it's supposed to be, but that's very similar to what I've seen with a lot of youth conferences. My own stake is actually doing youth conference this year at Southern Virginia university. And that's where they're doing everything. Uh, and it's, I'm assuming it's bigger than just my stake if they're bothering to go down, down to Buena Vista, which is how it's pronounced for some reason beyond understanding. And, uh, so I don't know. So is it just going to be youth conference? Is that really what it is? It doesn't say this is replacing youth conference. Yeah, but I think it could be a um, richer experience just because it may be more standardized as far as the the young single adults that are running it week to week, or you know have have it down pat, and so it's not like every stake is reinventing the wheel in their own way, right? So I don't here's know. what Hopefully they do. Here's what here, here's I've got the way to fix this. The church buys a number of camps type things, right? Facilities. They permanently, maybe not permanently, they summer employ people across the regions to staff this. It's just like going to camp and you send the kids to camp and it's youth camp, but it's, it's FSY. And that's what they do. You have counselors, you know, wearing the fishing hats and the sunblock. And for some reason I'm making allusions to the classic Nickelodeon show, Salute Your Shorts right now, uh, which is a great program. And uh, that is what it should be. Summer camp for the youth, same thing. But nothing but young, but uh, the YSA is governing them. So they won't get all all upset when kids fall in love and want to hold hands because the older adults do that. They want to, they, they're murderers of love, as everyone knows. It's true. Look, one time when I was a kid, we'd go up to the mountains and we'd stay the night in like a big cabin or something like that co-ed youth activity up in, up in like lake arrowhead and to prevent the boys and girls from fraternizing during the wee hours i kid you not one of the advisors a male advisor slept on the stairs not at the foot or the top of the stairs literally <laughs> ac- on the stairs first i don't know how it's even done <laughs> He had to see a chiropractor right but after. But they were they were so intent on making sure that no shenanigans transpired that they went that far. I mean, it was mostly funny to us, but trust trust the kids. <laughs> um, all right, it's true. So en- enough on that. Related, of course. There's new guidance for youth curriculum. That's right. We're not just getting FSY. We are also sort of learning more about what's happening with kids and youth. The church announced a while ago, along with all the revamps we've had over the past 18 months or so, uh, that there will be a whole new program for primary and for youth. Uh, This is especially relevant because we are now down to the last six months of the church's relationship with scouting. And incidentally, I would love to hear from any of you about how your ward is doing with scouting. If you're just sort of petering out or if it's like a mad rush to the end, I think it's a mix. I think there's a lot of diversity in that regard. Uh, so what saddens me is this was sort of a big announcement last week. They said, oh, yeah, leaders receive information on the new global children and youth initiative. 
most of what we've received is that it now has a name, which is called Children and Youth. They just figured, I don't know if this is because the church is taking an SEO hit after ditching LDS.org, and they said, all right, the next thing we do, we've got to really just name it what it is so that it ranks better. So let's just call it Children and Youth and call it a day. Nothing fancy. Uh, do you feel like they just, like, I feel like they keep announcing this with no new that, information. That is, like, obviously, yeah. we're, we're going to have our broadcast on September 29th, but I sometimes, I, I wonder if we're going to all sit down for that broadcast, I mean, those that are invited, whatever, and they'll just say, we have a new program coming at the beginning of the year. Thank you for coming. Yeah, that's... It's like, no, like, what are the details? And there still are no details. And in, in letters this week, if you are a member of the church who has access to these, if you ever go to letters.lds. Sorry, letters.churchofjesuschrist.org, but just type in the other one and it'll still redirect. Um, if you have the appropriate credentials, you can load letters that are sent to stake presidents and bishops and who else. Yeah. Uh, and so this is part of the update to remind everyone about September 29th, the day that will live in infamy, when on the second hour of church, everyone will watch a special broadcast featuring M. Russell Ballard, which we pretty much already knew. And they'll just... So it is during church that we'll watch. It is during church. It's not a special fireside. It's going to happen during church. Um, the, the big announcement they made is that there's a new website that is also access restricted called children and youth, sorry, children and youth leaders dot church of Jesus org. My gosh, that is a mouthful. Uh, sorry, it just is. Uh, and that's a whole website that just right now, it pretty much just links to a lot of the same, uh, PDFs that you can find if you go to letters.lds.org and we're just looking for the same stuff. It's, there's an introductory guide. There are a couple of videos, uh, there's a thing that asks what's the same and what's different, but all of this is in the one letter that was sent to the bishops. They just split it up into different links. So as for what's the same and what is different that we know at this point. So there's a little table here at the end. Uh, things that are, it's, there's not much, honestly, like Kurt said, they're just sort of teasing this one out. Uh, primary young women, young men, Sunday school with adult leaders and quorum and class presidencies will continue as a core foundation to this new emphasis. However, there's a select new feature of that the following programs are being retired. Faith in God for girls, faith in God for boys, personal progress, scouting, duty to God. So, okay. We kind of knew that already. Uh, other unchanged stuff. Families will study Come Follow Me. New thing that we already knew about. Seminary students will start following Come Follow Me. They announced that some months ago. Uh, and then it just says... Uh, what will stay the same activities and service efforts for primary as well as activities, service efforts, overnight camps, conferences, and other multi-day activities for youth will be held as appropriate for local circumstances. The new part just says activities should be based on helping children and youth grow spiritually, socially, physically, and intellectually, which I kind of think was the goal all along, but I'm okay with doubling down to try to, you know, drive the point back home again and make it better. And then it says what hasn't changed is children and youth will be encouraged to set and achieve personal goals. Yes. And what's new is that children and youth choose their own goals to help them grow spiritually, socially, physically, and intellectually. And that is the one that I think leads us more into how this is going to look. It seems like there's going to be, it's going to be less, here's a program with a goal driven, and there's going to be a lot more self-initiative involved, and they've sort of hinted at it, but that's what I'm curious to see what's going to change a lot. Yeah, isn't that sort of the trend of all things in the church right now? Is that as we get larger and larger in, in more and more countries, you know, lay, uh, lay down 
roots that uh, of, of the church is that uh, they can't prescribe too many details to the general church body, right? It's got to be mu- much more autonomous in, in their approach. It's a very interesting mix. It's sort of, it's almost anti-correlation in a way, but at the same time, we are standardizing these approaches. So it's it's a it's a curious mix of the two, it is. I guess. So stay tuned. And then, of course, in October, there's going to be this face-to-face event with Garrett W. Gong. And whenever I hear the the, the whole face-to-face thing, I think of the... Uh, Oh, what's that group called? Light Love. The easy it was like air supply for Mormons. What was it called? Kurt, you know what I'm talking about. I am I'm not the music. House Lighter. But there was that song Face to Face. Whatever it is, I bet you're gonna end this episode. No, I can't if I don't know what it what the group is. How am I supposed <laughs> you to can find Google it? Google that, you'll find it. They're not as smart with as the churches with SEO by just naming things what they are. This, I mean, they might as well True. say "easy listening song" or that great Adam Sandler movie on Netflix that's just called "Murder Mystery." Why give things a name? Just call them what they are. <laughs> that's right. So, Jeff, uh, I guess uh, I, I'm sure you heard that uh, President Nelson recently spoke at the NAACP convention. Yeah, I was there. Um, the the future guest of TWIM, uh, Peggy Fletcher Stack, uh, wrote up an article about this. As she Peggy, said on Sunday Peggy, night, I don't LDS do interview Church Stack Fletcher Stack. Yes, That's the <laughs> on uh, Sunday night, LDS Church President Russell M. Nelson quoted unique Mormon text in the speech at the NAACP's 110th annual convention in Detroit, saying, "All are li- alike unto God." Following speaker after speaker rallying attendees to battle the nation's ills. The leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints repeated that scriptural phrase to make sure the NAACP audience filled the arena where Martin Luther King Jr. gave the first rendition of his moving I Have a Dream speech in 1963. So, uh, good, pretty cool, Jeff. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on uh, It's fun to see our leader, especially our prophet, in maybe a different context uh, speaking to the world or speaking to a specific yeah, and I think this is very cool. I mean, we've been working on a partnership with the NAACP quite a bit, pretty much since President Nelson came in. Uh, there was this partnership for a genealogy center, I think, in Mississippi, or is it, no, or is it Memphis? Anyway, that was sort of the spark. We said, we want to be in on this and help you, help the NAACP, basically just through money and resources that we have as far as records, mm-hmm. to help them stand this up. And little by little, we've gotten a We've gotten more involved. I mean, we also had a presence when they opened the National Museum of African American History here in Washington, D.C., and we've just slowly built that relationship. And so uh, having President Nelson speak at their convention is pretty cool, and I think they were very welcoming and excited to have us there. And I have to imagine his remarks were probably vetted by their side and I don't think this is too high. I think church PR has dropped the ball quite a bit in recent years, pretty much since Michael Otterson left. Something's just not quite going right there. But this was clearly not one of those. This is one of those times when they, I think, you know, took their sweet time to make sure that everything, all the ducks were in a row. Uh, with that said, of yeah, course, sure. I think there are many who continue to expect uh, the church to issue an apology for past racism, which you can call a spade a spade. That's fine. Uh, and, and to have those things. The policies, the doctrines, whatever you know, there's disagreement on what was what in some circles. Uh, many want the apology for that. I don't. I just don't think you should hold your breath. I just don't think it's going to happen. I believe the church is simply trying to just sort of say it's happened. Let's not talk about it and focus on the now. That sort of seems to be the plan. 
Um, but there's some, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, do you see some in your circles as well who are just kind of like, this is great and all, but man, why, why can't they just get up and say, we are sorry that this happened. It was based on policies that we don't even know the exact root of, and it took root in the church and we ran with it. And we even had missionaries preaching about seed of Cain and junk like that way back when, and it was not right. And we've, you know, we fix it. Is it? I, I, no, I've definitely seen that. I don't know if, I mean, people I've, I always go to the apology, you know, and there's a, a list of things that they wish they would uh, apologize for. At, at the same time, I don't, that same group, I um, am not, I'm not as confident that they would suddenly have any, you know, if the apology did come, every other concern or uh, issue holding them back would suddenly vanish. Like, I, I mean, at some point we personally have to move past even those organizations that maybe don't apologize for things, regardless if they should or not. I mean, that's uh, for each individual to, to determine, but anyway. yeah. So, I mean, it's good. We, we've denounced racism, which I think is important. I think we don't want to air too political, but I think it's increasingly important uh, based on the way our society seems to be uh, <laughs> going in the past uh, handful of years. And I think it's good to have that level of leadership uh, you know, if we're standing arm in arm to make things better, then let's stand arm in arm to make things better. Incidentally, by, by, by quick th- mention, I want to give a hat tip to Russell Stevenson, the Mormon history guy, who was kind of talking about this on some of his Facebook stuff this week. And actually 20 years ago, there was an effort underway in California working with Marlon K. Jensen, who was a 70 at the time, uh, to issue a basically a formal apology for pre-1978 policies. And this was a whole thing that was underway. So much so that the LA Times wrote an article called Mormons May Disavow Old View on Blacks. So, But then they, uh, hmm. the effort obviously fizzled out. We have never formally apologized for any of it, but it's very interesting to me that even 21 years ago, people were working on putting this together and setting up the apology. Go figure. Yeah. So, and you can actually listen to President Nelson's full remarks. I, I found it on YouTube very, fairly easily. It's about eleven minutes long, and uh, it's it's worth. A we listen. will embed so. the remarks on thisweekinmormons.com to accompany this episode. Boom. We'll put it. But I just right love I notes. just love seeing our prophets, seers, and revelators on different stages doing this. You know, you hear from time to time different apostles speaking at uh, colleges. You know, I think of a time Elder Holland spoke at Harvard, and and I just I wonder if uh, how much how intentional they are of seeking out these different stages to, um, to speak on, uh, and to, to kind of promote our general message of, you know, Jesus Christ and who we are as his restored church. But, um, I would love to see like an apostle, you know, pop up in a, on a Ted stage, right on uh, doing a Ted talk or something. I think that'd be, I want, I like the idea. I want to see president Nelson doing a Ted talk. Who would you send? Well, I mean, president Nelson Nelson, would be be tops. But let's. This is a good thing to think about. Well, I can easily exclude some from the short list. Some of the some come to mind very quickly. I'm sure our listeners will know that it's President Ballard and and President Cook and Elder Cook, who I do not want to send to this, even though I know they're both wonderful men and very affable, congenial fellows. Who would be the best? Honestly, I think I think Bednar would rock it. Send our hard. Holland. I think would be everyone's uh-huh. ideal because everyone. Holland sure. and Uchtdorf, of course, would just get up there and smash it. And everyone, our, our first string. Everyone would expect, right? yeah, they're the first string. And 
Let's give let's give some love to Elder Gong. I think Elder Gong could roll with it pretty hard. Right. Yeah. I'd be down with that. Okay. All right. Let's start the petition. Speaking of sort of petitions, Kurt, since you're you're right? you're, a, you're a crazy <laughs> You see how I set you up. You're there, a Jeff? crazy Republican. So you can relate to all these people mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. want to yeah, storm Area 51. You've hopefully seen this in your feeds over the past two weeks or so. Oh now? yeah, I've reserved my Airbnb down there. there there's Area like a mil- there's a It'll never happen, but there's for those who don't know, a million people or so have signed up to a Facebook event to basically just go to Area 51 with a million people strong and be like, try to stop us, government. You can't, like, this is too many. We will overrun the place, and we're going to see them aliens, as one of the quotes says. So that's a thing, and I don't think anything will happen, but I sincerely hope that a million people somehow show up and actually do it because that would just be amazing. But you, so we Mormonized we, this We have in our Mormonized this. Like we do with everything. We can't come up with our own original ideas, but boy, oh boy, can we Mormonize something. So instead of, of course, gathering to go in Nevada, there is now a, a, an event called a hoax event, allegedly, but I think it should be real, called Storm the Vault. They can't stop us all. And this is getting people to unite to storm the vault in the Granite Mountain in a little Cottonwood Canyon in Utah. And for those who don't know, the Granite Vault is this massive climate-controlled party land where we keep all the microfilms and basically all of the genealogy for the world, more or less. If you're ever driving up the little Cottonwood Canyon, look to your left as you enter briefly, and you might actually see the little driveway that goes up to where it is. It's it's not, like, hidden. It's right there, but it's got controlled access. Uh so the people say they want to storm this, which and it's on conference weekend of all times. That's the best thing about it. Forget your Temple Square protests. Just go storm the vault. And I mean, at some point, I mean, let's say hypothetically they they actually do this. Uh, even if you got through the main gate, I mean, you're going to need keys and things for open safes and compartments. I I mean, this isn't. <laughs> I mean, it would be a, a fool's It does act. say that because the vaults are not guarded, many guests will have better luck storming those than they would Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send our, we'll gather a Mormon battalion to. Oh, I love forces, this. Jeff. this. This brings me so much joy. Just And another thing that brings me so much joy, real quick. For some reason, the Courier. Oh, you're which going is a publication, here, huh? oh, This is just a good mention. I don't know. I just don't know why it was published now. The courier.co.uk, a, a British publication, has has an article called 15 years ago, police called to a Dundee Mormon church to keep Donny Osmond fans at bay. Dundee is a Scottish city north of uh, the uh, the Firth of the 4th of uh, north of Edinburgh. And uh, apparently Donny Osmond went there for a fireside and pandemonium ensued and it got cray cray. This wasn't a concert. It was a fireside. There were a thousand tickets for church members, but it was just crazy. It was just crazy. That's basically the whole story. It was nuts. Now, the funniest thing to me about the story is this happened in 2004. That's not to slam Donny Osmond. He's a wonderful person, has had a great career. But this isn't a story from 1978 or anything like that. This is from 2004. And for some reason, the courier wanted to remind us of this hot event in Dundee history mere 15 years ago. 
Th- that is all. Donnie. I just love that this ex- puppy love. Jeff. I love that this exists. Never gets old. I love them for embedding a video of the Osmonds playing "Crazy Horses," which is one of the most bonkers songs they've ever recorded. Namely, for the horrible keyboard track, which you all need. And now I have the music to use at the end of this show. There you go. You have to pick between that and some mysterious <sighs> face-to-face that? song. So, well, we'll find it, Jeff. Mormon, so, uh, speaking of ridiculous. Uh, news headlines and articles that were written. Uh, there's an article in the Desert News titled Church Ball Takes to a New Court, the Utah Supreme Court. And it says the court uh, recently ruled against a Utah man who sued on sued an opposing player after being injured in a church-sponsored game in 2012. In his argument, an attorney for the man invoked a quote attributed to the late Arizona Senator John McCain during the 1989 Senate floor speech where he said, Supposedly, while the lawlessness of MMA is a dangerous and brutal exercise, there is no one sport more vicious and cold-blooded that takes place in Mormon meeting houses. This is so stupid. I hate Utah. Nation. I hate your state so much. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, but nobody can confirm that that quote is not on the congressional record. Oh well, but, shucks. So I uh, the the. <laughs> I thought this this was an interesting circumstance happening here in my great state of Utah, where somebody actually sued somebody for a flagrant foul. Um, that well, that was so was in his in his opinion, not the ref's opinion, and it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, where they said, "No, uh, when you play a sport where there might be contact, you are sort of expecting and agreeing for that contact to happen," and so it ended there. There's a man with a blown out knee somewhere that is having to cover his own medical. Of course, yeah, of course this happens in Utah because you people don't believe in like the well-being of others. <laughs> Jeff, have you ever seen anything crazy in a I never, football game? Does this really not happen in Virginia? I'm, well, I'm the worst person to ask. I haven't been to a church ball game since I was a teenager by choice. Uh, so I hear, th- I hear things. things. I hear it gets intense. I hear they had a big problem with youth church ball in our stake over the past year because they couldn't get full teams from a lot of the wards. So the wards started bringing in ringers of like kids from the community. But the problem was they were bringing in kid like kids who were older and bigger and not disciplined in any way. And we're used to uh, maybe throwing some punches on the, on the they playground. had some problems last year. They got close to just canceling youth basketball entirely, which I've heard happens oh, yeah. in general. Every stake has received that receives that threat about, Every Kurt, five you years need to move somewhere president. like Ohio and experience church outside of Utah. I think it would be good for you. It's true. Hey, I admit I am sheltered, and I would welcome the opportunity. <laughs> I admit, there, there's I anybody sheltered. listening in Ohio? If there's anybody in Ohio that has a, a spare basement that I could fit my full family in, I will move and experience. I mean, there's got to at least outside. Be, there's got to be somebody you could interview for leading saints, right? In Ohio. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on got to exist by the way i remembered the name of the group i'd been thinking of afterglow do you not remember afterglow yes even i remember afterglow so can you play us a clip here jeff is that uh, are you going to be uh sued (laughs) fair use by 60 year old afterglow okay this doesn't work i've got to find them if you wikipedia afterglow it gives you an american psychedelic rock band from the 60s that's not helping me dang people with their similar names but fine here here's some afterglow music everyone enjoy i'm lying alone with my head on the phone thinking of you till it hurts i know you have 
Oh, wow, that was incredible. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe we got to hear that? How blessed are we? Nice. I didn't hear it on my end, Jeff, but I assume uh, it'll You're supposed go to fake it and pretend time. you heard the whole thing. That's podcasting 101. This, there's theatrics involved oh, right. in this, Kurt. And you're the one who has a website telling people how to make a podcast. You can't even tell them the truth. Well, hey, uh, you need a podcast.com. But anyways, the uh, I, I've, I've never inserted a track there. So. Well, fine. Anyway, that was Afterglow, and I just I think they did the face. That was beautiful. I think, did after, okay, did Afterglow do face-to-face? Afterglow face-to-face. This is very important. I'm finding nothing. Afterglow is too generic a term for a band name. It's over. That is all. You know what else is over, Jeff? Is the news this week. What I mean, do you want to even just mention some of the... Uh, like, uh, I mean, check out this headline. Eagle Scout numbers expected to drop once church bails. Like, no duh. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna they're gonna find the recruits somewhere else, right? Right? No, everything will drop. You know what else will drop is like their existence. It will probably slowly fade away. Does Does the end of scouting make you sad or neutral? How do you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm a proud scouter. I'm an eagle, proud eagle scout. Not that I'm like, I, not that I prayed ever for that calling or to be a scout. Being leader, an eagle scout is not a calling, first of all. Well, I don't know. You can't saying, pray to be an I Eagle Scout. I did earn that rank. If you prayed to be an Eagle Scout. No, I said I did pray to be a Scout leader. I was, I've was. i never been a Scout leader, and I suppose I'm in the clear, barring some substantial changes in the next six months, but I don't see why they would. I don't think, You're in the I don't clear, think they're going to yeah. be rocking the boat at this point. I think it's to see it to the finish line and move on, which is very good because if I would have ever been called to do Friends of Scouting, there would be problems. And I'm not one to turn down church callings. I'm not. But I would have some serious reservations to express to the counselor, inevitably, who'd be calling me to that role. And I'd have to explain why and say, because the money doesn't even go to your troop. It's pointless. All hail, friends of scouting. Uh, The one thing I'll mention real fast, they dedicated a children's memorial over in, this is the place park, you know, over there in, you know, East Salt Lake City. Uh, So there's a, a... Memorial dedicated to the 650 children who died during the Mormon Trail in the mid-1800s. And this this is a, a legit memorial. I mean, they had President Ballard there to dedicate it uh, along with uh, Elder Craig C. Christensen, who is the pre- he's the president of the Utah area of, of the 70. Uh, that alone is great. It's a wonderful commemoration. Uh, Elder Ballard said, you know, how grateful we are as in a prayer as thy children to be gathered here at the base of this memorial that's been prepared to honor the little children who in their faith and trust tried to come here but did not make it. And I think that's a wonderful way to honor these kids. We, we tell all these stories of all the valiant pioneers. And today's Pioneer Day. We're recording on Pioneer Day. This is salient. Boom. Uh, Very meta. Um, but we often don't tell the stories of the fact that there were just kids who died. Kids who many of which were either had the faith or were following the faith of their parents and suffered the consequences, at least temporarily, because of that. And so I think it's wonderful that they have the names of all these kids etched into 17 large stones, and they've added this to the park. Uh, Also, Elder Christensen 
made, uh, just I think wanted to add a little bit of a reminder about who we are as a people. Uh, he framed it talking about Utah in particular. He said, Utah is becoming more and more ethnically diverse, and they're all pioneers. So this is really a way for us to highlight what Utah stands for. We hope it's not lost that this is a memorial for children, and part of that sacredness of the gathering was the sacrifice that little children made and mother and fathers came to get here. And we see that, that in Utah today. You see immigrants coming here looking for a better life and focusing on what they have to do to make a better life for their their children. That's what's really important. And I think anyone who enjoys little mentions of the church, of these sort of uh, more pro-immigration points of view, will say rah-rah. And this is more current than for the random statement by the first presidency about keeping families together that's a year and two months old that keeps getting circulated on social media all the time as if it just came out. I'm still confused about that one. But uh, there we go. That's really good. I like awesome, I like Jeff. the reminder of that, that in all the tumult we have, the church has laid down pretty hard saying, yeah, you need to not treat people like dogs. They are people, and they are looking for a better life. And that's important. So, Kurt has nothing to say because he <laughs> so. hates immigrants. So, Kurt. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I have it on good authority that you hate immigrants and... I I spent two years of my life in this great country preaching the gospel to immigrants that I love, many legal and others Probably illegal. some. I, I guarantee I most of the... I mean, you taught a lot of immigrants in, Sa- in Sacramento. I taught a ton of... Most of what I taught in Spain were South American immigrants, and I think the lion's share of them were without papers as well. So yeah, that's how it goes. So I, for the record, for the twin record, I love immigrants, especially those that uh, are here as refugees. So, And just as by way of reminder, everyone, just if, in case you just don't know this, I know many of you know how you think the show leans or whatever. That's fine. Think what you want to think. But, but I just like to deal with some facts. And a, asylum is a form of legal immigration. The laws might change around that and that whatever. Okay. But- Asylum seekers are not engaging in illegal immigration. Fact, period, end of discussion. Okay, there is illegal immigration. That's another topic to have. But asylum seekers are going through legal channels, and that's a process that we are supposed to honor because we've agreed to it by our own law. And and everyone has different laws, and laws can change, and that's fine-ish. But I just want to throw that out there. But that then that should definitely be the law, right? And it's a good thing it is. Yes. So it is, but I think there are many circles who would have you believe it is not, and it's just a bunch of illegal people trying to storm the country. Asylum is a legal means of immigration. With that said, I would love to thank my co-host and not give him any more chances to speak. Kurt Frankham of Leading Saints is here and was here. <laughs> He's doing great things. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I always uh, welcome the opportunity to uh, sit in the co-host chair with you. And uh, if people want another podcast to check out, wherever you're listening to this one, you can join us over at Leading Saints. And uh, we also have a exciting virtual summit, another virtual summit we're putting together. This time, we're tackling the concept of how to help individuals who are uh, wrestling with pornography and uh, how to overcome that uh, that uh, habit in their life. And so uh, if you want more information, you can go to leadingsaints.org, sign up for our newsletter, and uh, we'll be sending more and more details uh, over, uh, you know, 
sending yeah. more and more details over the Is that because you saw sort of a, a gap in coverage? They don't, they don't talk about pornography as much in General Conference nowadays, and you figured you had to bring it back. Make sure uh, you keep that on the board. Well, it's definitely like the... It's definitely the number one issue that uh, leaders uh, deal yeah, with uh, as in their of- official capacity. So we hope to create a as well-rounded as possible resource to really hit it. Yeah, on. that's great. Well, keep an eye out for that, everybody. That's awesome. Um, so, Kurt, thank you very much for all you do in general. I think you help a lot of Latter-day Saints in countless ways. And thank you for being part of TWIM in whatever capacity you want. And folks, I hope you'll go to thisweekinmormons.com where you can stream this show. You can subscribe to this show. You can read our many articles because it's not just about me. We've got The Convert Files. We have the Latter-day Saint Video Vault. We have general news coverage. We have lots of things going on over there. So I hope you'll take the time to visit the website and read some good original content that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, Likewise, Please support us on Patreon if you're so inclined. Patreon is a service through which we get a little bit of money if you pledge it, and it helps us keep the lights on, so to speak. Uh, We're not looking to get wealthy from this. We're merely looking to cover our expenses and to buy an Xbox. So if you go to patreon.com, I'm kidding, slash This Week in Mormons, you can uh, pledge to that. And really, truly, you who are the patrons, we appreciate you immensely. Uh, It's a little thing, but it's not an insignificant thing. So we appreciate that a lot. And find us on Facebook and all that yada, yada, yada. Anyway. Thanks, Jeff. Everyone have a terrific week. We will talk to you again next week. And thank you again for your time. I'm Jeff. That's Kurt. This Week of Mormons is out. Be well, be well. Be happy. Bye. Cue the afterglow. No? a life where we grow We're holding on to each other's hand Learning how to be a friend Learning how to understand When I stumble and fall It's you after all That's running just as fast as you can To pick me up and help me to stand Help me start all over again You're my friend Helping me walk down this road And you make it easy When you help me carry my load When I need a shoulder To lean on a time Oh, hey, sorry. It's Jeff again. Uh, I just need to issue a bit of a retraction. You see, I have realized after the fact that Afterglow did not sing the song face-to-face as referenced earlier in the episode. That honor, of course, went to none other than Kenneth Cope, who I think I also referenced in the episode. So with that in mind, everyone, I regret the error. I was foolish. And now... I would like to let you hear some of that Kenneth Cope as we go away. Thank you for your time.
Messiah to reclaim this fall. 